One of the great things about home for the holidays is seeing who comes home. And it's great to see some of the college students sprinkled around the audience today. Welcome back. Um, we're going to go old school today. I'm going to make you uh, exercise a little. We're going to stand for the reading of God's word. If you have a Bible or a device, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 4. Verses 3 through 7. Galatians 4, verses 3 through 7. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through Christ. You may be seated. Let's pray together before we dig into this text. Father, I thank you so much today for the family of God privilege of being a part of that. And I pray that you would bless our time together today. Use it to encourage us, to teach us, to spur us on. Lord, we want to be salt and light in this world and We pray that you would bind us together and make us a a family that, that is so attractive to the world because of the love that we have for one another. God, speak to us this morning. We want to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, Walt Disney, Hugh Jackman, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, Charlie's Theron, These people have at least a few things in common. All have been involved in the entertainment industry. All of them are significantly well off financially. And, as you can probably guess, all of them have adopted children into their homes. I think my own kids may have chosen adoption if they'd known they could be adopted by Walt Disney. 
Not really, but can you imagine the privilege that would come with being adopted into the Disney family? The wealth and the opportunity afforded to the child adopted into that family would be almost limitless. Think of it. Disneyland would be your black backyard playset. Today I want to look at Galatians chapter 4 and see in it the privileges of adoption. So as we dig into these passages or into this passage, we'll see three points. We are no longer slaves. We've been adopted. We'll see that we are adopted into the family of God. And that third, we are heirs with Christ. Ephesians 2, 3 teaches that once we were children of wrath. Luke 16, 8 calls us sons of this world. John 8, 44 tells us you are of your father, the devil. Romans 6, 17 says that we were once slaves of sin. So it's not like it's anything new when our text here in Galatians describes us as enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. We were orphans. Our only father was one who hated us and whose aspiration for us was what was that we would join him in his eternal damnation. Orphans can have it pretty tough at times. Orphans have to take care of themselves. Orphans must protect themselves from being taken advantage of. Orphans crave to be taken in and loved, but doubt that they ever will. Orphans want to be accepted, to belong. Orphans only trust themselves. Orphans cannot get too close. Orphans are on the outside looking in. We all were orphans. And then along came one of those great big butts of scripture. The Bible's full of them. They alert us to the direct intervention of God. Here it is from Galatians again. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But... When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. God redeemed us who were under the law. Yes, that refers to the Jews, but it also refers to where we were before Christ. Redeemed 
means to buy back. When we redeem a coupon at the store, the store places a designated value on that coupon and in effect, it it purchases it back from me. God redeemed us by buying us back from Satan. He placed value on you and loved you and brought you back from Satan at great price. The price was his one and only son. Now be careful not to miss something here. God redeemed us by buying us back from Satan. Along with that, he regenerated us, giving us new spiritual life in Christ. Beyond that, he justified us, declaring us not guilty. But did you ever think about this? He could have stopped there. Redemption, regeneration, and justification are distinct from adoption. Even if they all do happen at the same time when we become Christians. But if God had stopped there, we would have been saved from. If he'd stopped there, we would have been saved from sin. We would have been saved from the devil. We would have been saved from death. But we wouldn't have been saved too. God not only wants to save us from, but he also wants to save us too. Through adoption, God saves us too. He makes us members of his family. You are no longer orphans. Now you are sons. John 1.12 says, But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. And he gives us his name. It was great to have Sean Mahawan here last week with us from Thailand. I've had the privilege of going on two mission trips to Thailand and to the orphanage there at Faith Farm. It wasn't until my second visit, after talking with some of the teens there, that I realized that many of the kids at the orphanage take the name Mahawan, when they come to Faith Farm. In fact, one of the original boys at the orphanage, who's now 34 years old, his name is Sanan. He just made that change official legally. He is Sanan Mahawan. He's been given a new name. Likewise, when we are adopted into the family of God, we are given a new name. Christian. One who is like 
Christ. I hope you treasure the fact that you've been adopted into the family of God. I know I do. Some of us have come from some pretty screwed up families. I'm confident that I'm not the only one who grew up in a family that gave them a very distorted picture of what love was. I'm confident that both of my parents loved me. But I also know that they didn't really know how to express that love. And it affected both me and my siblings in significant ways. I have learned how to love and appropriately express love by being a part of the family of God. Both in the church and in my home, as my immediate family is an extension of God's family. Let's look specifically now at some of the privileges of adoption. First is the privilege of intimacy with the father. We've just talked about the idea of being part of that family of God. Along with that comes the privilege of intimacy with the father. If you look at the prayers of Jesus in the gospels, you'll see that with only one exception, he always prayed to God Calling him father. By the way, do you know where the exception is? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So the Greek word for father is pater. From which we get the word paternal. Using that designation of God as father... That alone was considered disrespectful by the Jewish religious leaders. But Jesus' most intimate way of referring to his father was with the term Abba. An Aramaic word which is best translated into English as, you know it, daddy. My 16-month-old granddaughter, Juna... How'd that slide get in there? (laughs) Nicole, did you? Nicole. My 16-month-old granddaughter, Juna, is saying her first words, and among them are two staples of every early vocabulary, mama and dada. I mentioned earlier that Walt Disney had an adopted child. It was a daughter named Sharon. In 1992, Sharon told Forbes magazine that the Disney children were never raised with the idea that their father was a great man. He was daddy. He went to work every morning. He came home every night. The icon who was Walt Disney was daddy to his adopted daughter, Sharon. The almighty God of the universe is Abba, daddy to us, his adopted children. As our daddy, we can trust that God loves us 
that he understands us, and that he will take care of our needs. Nicole and I, just the other day, were talking about the early days of our marriage when we were not only broke, but in debt, and how through those times, God always came through to meet our needs. Just one example of that was that we lived in a rental home for more than five years at around half of the market value. Commentator Scott McKnight says this. We develop intimacy with God through a lifestyle that remains in consistent conversation with God as each day progresses. Instead of diddling our time away with the thoughts of fleeting things as we drive the car or wash the dishes or go for walks, we can spend our time in those activities talking to God and listening to him speak to us as his children. We also develop intimacy with God by reading his word, believing it, obeying it, and sharing it with others. But mostly, we learn to be intimate with God by trusting in him and learning through that trust that he is loving and good. And it, and it continues, and this is my favorite part right here. God desires that we desire him. In that desire, he is delighted. And we become delighted in his delight. Loving God's delight is what intimacy is all about. Another privilege of adoption lies in how we as adopted children of God relate to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Our relationship with each other can therefore be much deeper than even the angels would have with each other. Paul instructs Timothy, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. The work of the church is the family business. We're not competing with each other to be the best preacher, teacher, youth worker, counselor, evangelist. We are all on the same team. And we should all be spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. I mean, I know I'm a better preacher than Dave Shoemaker, but I'm not going to rub that in. (laughs) Because it's not a competition. Seriously, I think it's been a beautiful picture of the family of God stepping up to a need in the family business and seeing how different men have faithfully shared their gifts of preaching and teaching each week to fill the pulpit at Midland Free as we continue the search for a new lead pastor. Amen. I challenge each of you to prayerfully consider what's your contribution to the family business. 
When every member of the family chips in, the whole family benefits and God is glorified. One of the most significant privileges of adoption is the gifts our father gives to his children. Matthew 7, 11 says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Probably the most significant gift of all that he gives is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Through the gift of the Holy Spirit, we receive peace in troubled times, comfort in our hurting, the ability to even live the Christian life, and power for effective ministry. Old Testament believers didn't have the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling in them as we do. It's a gift of God that we all too often take for granted, that we neglect to fully access all the benefits and blessings that are available to us. Another privilege of adoption that we may not think of as a privilege is the way in which God disciplines us as his children. Why is discipline a privilege? Well, Hebrews 12 tells us, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. God's discipline is always good for us so that we can share in his holiness. Hebrews 12, 11 says, no discipline's enjoyable when it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. It's through discipline that we Sons and daughters of God grow in righteousness and holiness as we walk with our Father. Finally, today we see that when we're adopted as children of God, we receive the privilege of being heirs with Christ, as our text says in verse 7. And if a son, then an heir. First Peter 1 tells us about our inheritance when it says he has caused us to be born again to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Theologian Wayne Grudem has said, all the great privileges and blessings of heaven are laid up for us. And put at our disposal because we are children of the king, members of the royal family, princes and princesses who will reign with Christ over the new heavens and the new earth. 
When I read that, I think back to the Pevensey children in the Chronicles of Narnia, reigning on the four thrones of Care Paravel after the defeat of the White Witch. My exhortation to each of you is to stop living like an orphan. You are an adopted child of the king. And too often, we all still live like orphans. We live like orphans when we try to earn our father's love. When we tell ourselves that we aren't good enough to be loved. We live like orphans when we're jealous of the material goods that people in this world have. When we are heirs with Christ. We live like orphans when we neglect spending time with the family of God. Not only our father, but also our brothers and sisters. We live like orphans when we fear rejection. We live like orphans when we fear the future. As if our father doesn't know and control everything that will happen in the future. And as promised, he will work it out for our good. We live like orphans when we're really children of the king. I want to wrap up this morning by reading 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 in three different versions. You know, the ESV is a great translation, but I don't think it does this verse justice. I really believe that John was overcome with joy when he wrote this verse. Here it is in the ESV. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Not enough. But NIV gets it a little better. See what great love the Father has lavished on us? I love that word, lavished. That we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Now I'm going old school again. The old living Bible, I love, I love it the way it gets it, because I think it gets John's emotion. See how very much our heavenly father loves us for he allows us to be called his children. And we really are. He was excited about being a part of the family of God. And I hope that you are. I'd be remiss this morning if I didn't take a moment to extend an invitation to those here this morning who've not yet taken God up on that offer to adopt them as one of his children. Maybe you've never made that decision. Well, I tell you that God's got a big mansion in heaven, many rooms, and he invites us to join the family. Adoption in this country 
takes a lot of paperwork and a lot of money. Adoption into God's family is simple and free. God offers it free to any of us who will repent, who will make an about face in the way that they're living. It's time to stop living your way and start living God's way. And then if you will by faith accept God's payment for your sin by his son's death on the cross, Jesus died in your place. All you have to do is accept that payment as a free gift and you will become a member of God's family, adopted in with all the privileges that come with it. I invite you to join the family as we close together today in prayer. Father, first of all, this morning, we just want to say thank you for adopting us into your family. It is such a privilege to be called your sons and daughters. We pray that you would help us because we're stupid sheep and we keep living like orphans. Help us by your spirit, God, to live as what we are, children of the king. And we pray today for those who maybe have never made that decision to join your family. If there's anyone right now, Lord, I just pray that you would cause them by your spirit to just pray with faith right now and believe with faith right now that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross in their place and that they can have forgiveness. They just believe and accept that by faith. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for making a way of salvation. Thank you for making a way to join the family of God. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.